and welcome to the Movement Media Podcast. I am your host, Doug Ogden. We have an awesome show for you guys today. Coming up later, we have an interview with author and pastor, Dr. Eric Mason, so stick around for that. Also on today's episode, you'll hear music from Kristen Gray, Swoop, Spazzy Rocket, Sean C. Johnson, and D1. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Oceans by the Dream Junkies. They just released their debut album for free, actually, on March 18th. That can be downloaded at kingsdreament.com, so definitely go get that. But first up, let me introduce our cast for today. To my left, the venerable A.J. Wilson. What does venerable mean? Honorable, worthy of respect. Hey. Love you, man. New words every day. Next to him, my mate from the homeland of Florida, Ansel Talbert. Howdy ho, neighbor. Pause. Across the table from me and just out of the reach of my ever-loving hands, Mr. Kenny Roberts. See, I'm out of the reach of your loving hands, but I am not out of the reach of Ansel's loving hands. Yeah, we don't want to bring a, uh, a physical aspect to this audio uh, medium, but they were definitely just holding hands. Yeah, we'll talk about that next. And finally, good looking, and finally with a mic so you can hear his lovely voice, That's our me. audio producer to the stars, Mr. Brandon Johnson. Hello, hello. We are recording today from our home base of Greensboro, North Carolina, and we really appreciate you guys joining us. Stay with us. We'll be right back with entertainment news and current events. We're trying to play you, and now I'm lost my place, should have sought your face. Now I, I can't run this way, I can't walk this through, I'm just laying here on the ground. listening to Spazzy Rocket's song, Back to You. Okay, entertainment news. Um, there was an article released in the last few weeks uh, from IGN highlighting some of the shows on network television that they believe are in danger of the all-hated cancellations. Um, so I was wondering if you guys saw that. Ooh. I know, AJ, you were looking up some of the ones on there. For some reason, and I will never understand why, Community always on it our favorite show, Love show. <laughs> continually continually gets put on the chopping block like it's going to be cut it's like people are always wondering whether or not they love laughter or not. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't decided if we enjoy a great thing yet i don't get it <laughs> i think I, I looked at the list and I, I was scrolling through and i was actually kind of disappointed what am i doing with my life i've seen maybe one of these and so <laughs> yeah. maybe all of them should be canceled or maybe i just have more important stuff to do than right. watch television but i mean i don't i don't know i've only seen one that's that's community which of course shouldn't be uh shouldn't be canceled in my opinion right but, no, it's know. only gotten better this year yeah this season's right. been really good now I, I will I will note that I haven't watched any of this season this year. So. <laughs> my favorite show. That's yeah, my favorite show. I've just never seen it. No, I'm just kidding. Here's the awesome thing about Community though. They have had okay, so former Breaking Bad stars Giancarlo Esposito, who played Gus on Breaking Bad, mm -hmm. he played Pierce's brother in like seasons three or four, and then this year they brought on Jonathan Banks, who played Mike in Breaking Bad, and he's uh, Buzz Hickey. On Community, the mm -hmm. bald-headed professor that's, that's right. new this year. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. He was on Breaking Bad. And then a couple episodes ago, they had Vince Gilligan, who is the Breaking Bad creator, 
appear like make a cameo on community really really so i'm like yeah he Which was episode? okay so the episode where abed is playing the interactive vhs game <laughs> yeah, so, so vince fun. gilligan is the guy like narrating the vhs interactive board game the, the, the guy with a hat yes the, oh wow it's called piles of bullets piles <laughs> of bullets yeah. that sounds violent yeah, so I think, you know, Dan Harmon, community creator, must be a, a Breaking Bad fan as well, which is kind of oh cool. Oh, my gosh. So. Have you heard about the recent connection between Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead? No. That there's all these Easter eggs popping up in The Walking Dead. The 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 charger that one of the... I didn't watch Breaking Bad. The car? The, the Dodge car, Charger? Okay. That it showed up in Breaking Bad. And Merle, one of the main characters that died off a few seasons ago... Or last season, actually. He, Spoiler alert. <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> I, I love the show. I'm like, I'm only one episode behind right now. Yeah. But when someone has a headache and needs some medicine, he goes to his medicine bag and there's the blue, the blue. No. Yeah, it's the in blue the bottom. Meth? Of, yeah, the blue meth. What's it called? I mean, I think they oh, just called it blue ice. Blue yeah. ice. Blue yeah. ice in the bag. And then uh, they talk about, uh, is that really what it's called? Yes, that's what it's called. That's well, there's a couple different names delicious. for it, but okay. By the way. It's not delicious. Yeah, some good stuff. What yeah, you were Doug. eating was candy, not uh, meth. Oh, that's what it was. So that's why that uh, cop stopped me. Here's one of the interesting <laughs> things about Breaking Bad. See, we can't bring it up without me going on a tangent on no. it. No, it's okay. So they name it, one of the like street names for it is Blue Sky. And he that's has this, okay, he has this like huge secret, you know, in the first season or two about this other life that he's creating for himself, cooking blue meth. And his wife's name is Skylar. And so one of the interesting things is that wow. one of the street names for his drug is named after his wife. And for the first couple of seasons, she doesn't even know. That is so crazy. Yeah. I think, cool. I think another interesting thing, another interesting thing as well, um, you know, it was, it was called Blue Sky. And then like in a lot of the episodes, the sky was actually blue. And oh so man. That blew I'm me. I didn't even blew me make away. that connection. Look at the atmosphere. AJ, what else on that list were you, uh, <laughs> were you well, hoping to see get renewed? There's one more connection. Uh, okay. And Merle's drug dealer in The Walking Dead is described very similar to Jesse Pinkman. What? He says some scrawny white guy that was kind of a little crazy or something Dude. like that. And I was like, what? But they're both on AMC, so. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Wouldn't be That's surprised. crazy. That's they, should, awesome. they should just merge the two and call it Breaking the Walking Bad. But what if Blue Sky caused <laughs> the zombie outbreak? That, oh. Oh. That's deep. Dude, I like that. That's what I read. That's so, this is why of, people are tuning in. For that's a lot of drugs. <laughs> so you're making the argument that they're all just really strung out on meth. <laughs> I, they, they just got, they look got like so, zombies. They got so strung out. I mean, have you ever seen anybody strung out on meth? They do some crazy things. Mm, wow. Like eat people. That's deep. I think that was bath salts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, back to the topic. AJ, what what other show are you hoping that doesn't get uh, its uh, this joke about cannibalism? See, here's the thing. NBC is struggling right now. That is yeah, true. And so, two of its like really good shows are is const are constantly in danger of cancellation. Community pa and then Parenthood. Yeah, Parenthood. Parenthood is every year is in danger of being canceled. So it does good. not have a, a fan base. And they're both in season five, right? Yeah. So it's weird that a show that would be like be successful this long they're still yeah the, the article makes the point that at the with the cast the cast is very expensive oh right and so to have the cast there i mean to continue to pay them i understand yeah it, you could be strapped for cash to pay these i guess the star-studded television show but yeah at the same time it's good television yeah like 
uh, I watch it faithfully. Like, yeah, it's I, good. I mean, it's a good show. One of the shows they mentioned that is going off the air. It's not getting axed, obviously, because it's coming to an end. But how I met your mother. I was just about to mention because it's in like season nine, but mm-hmm. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. This don't, this is the thing it. about how I met your mother because I started watching it because everybody was saying it was so hilarious. My buddy back in Cleveland, my sister, you know, they were saying this show was absolutely hilarious, and so Hashtag. I started watching it, and it's and it's pretty funny. Yeah. It is pretty hashtag h i m y m that's too i was trying to wrap my brain around that right. <laughs> but um they were saying it was hilarious so i started watching it it was pretty funny and it was pretty funny but the thing is this is the thing it's been on for nine seasons and like really you know the whole thing starts with this guy telling his kids about how he met their mom and i'm like that's a long freaking story <laughs> That is a long story. Have they shown the kids recently? I don't They're know. Because like, they'd have to be like in their They're 20s now. Like, yeah, <laughs> I watching it. Unless they are uh, aging them the same way they're doing The Simpsons, because Bart looks the same way Bart he did 20 years ago. Change it. Oh, he should be <laughs> balding by now. Right. You know, he, should be a, he should be a teenager by One day now. he's just going to wake up and look exactly like Homer. That's how they're going to age him. <laughs> Maybe that's what they've been doing. Oh, it could be. Mm, Homer yeah. is Bart. And the reason that everyone is yellow colored in... Um, the Simpsons is because of Blue Sky. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Oh my gosh. Little do we know that Blue Sky is the connection for all the weird things yeah, on television. I knew it. I mm. knew it. So that explains the long. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so uh, also in the news, um, in the Christian world, a big deal over the last couple of weeks has been uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll out mm. of the Mars Hill Church in Seattle. Uh, basically, relevant posted a, a letter that he had written, just kind of entitled an open letter of apology. Um, I think the one main quote that most people came away with was when he said, my angry young prophet days are over, mm-hmm. um, and him wanting to transition into a stage of being more of a spiritual father rather than this, um, you know, passion-filled, young, angry young prophet was, was his, his terminology. So I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on, on one, Driscoll as a whole. I know he's been a very controversial figure in the Christian world for as long as he's been around, but what you thought about the apology and what you think it would be would be cool to see him do next. I thought it was pretty sincere. Uh, yeah. I remember Driscoll in his angry young prophet days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember thinking it was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I didn't think anything was. We I'm like, what is wrong with, with it? Why yeah. people have a problem with this guy? I mean, <laughs> well, and notoriously, some of the stuff was cursing from the pulpit. Not not a lot, but yeah. he was known to do that. He obviously used very, um, very black and white language in almost mm-hmm. everything that he, you know, said. I just remember him saying over and over and over again, "You don't have to agree with me." but you can be wrong, you know? Just, <laughs> and, and, and I think that's a lot of what he's probably referring to in just a very hard stance on most of the things that he, mm-hmm. you know, believes in. And it, until it came out, I didn't know how much of a big of a mess what was going on with the, the book kind of controversy with it mm-hmm. being him hiring some marketing company and getting the book listed as the uh, as New York Best Time seller. In it. With uh, Real Marriage. Yeah. yeah. And plagiarism too. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's crazy to me that all this was going on. I haven't really paid much attention to Morris Hill recently right. until this article came out. I think when reading the letter, I thought it was a really great, I was happy he did it. Yeah. Because I I remember listening to, I remember listening, <laughs> I remember listening to Driscoll in his early angry years and uh, loving it. Maybe mainly because of where I was in my walk and yeah. where I was working at the time. And, um, it really spoke to me, but then as I, as I listened more, I was kind of like, okay, this angry shtick is, it's kind of, it's kind of old, but also 
I kind of gave him a little bit of a leeway on things because after hearing him speak at the Desiring God conference, I can't remember which year it was, maybe 2009, 2007, something like that. He, he shared a lot about, you know, where he is and the, the conflict he has to go through and the, the difficulty he has to go through, through, uh, bringing, bringing people to Christ, introducing people to Christ and the culture he's in. And when I heard him talk about that and you see in the video of it, his emotion and the way he wears it for me, I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to give him a little bit of freedom in that, but there's only so much freedom. I was like, okay, I got to take sure. this back now. Cause, but overall I was really glad that he, he said what he said. I like that he, um, addressed the celebrity pastor stuff. I think that, um, that's a danger uh, for a lot of pastors out there that kind of get put into this spotlight that, mm. um, they, you know, they may not know what to do with it. Yeah. And I think you can, you can juggle it poorly and, I think in some instances he, he did that and I think he's confessing that. But uh, the thing I really loved about the, the letter he wrote was he addressed it to his church yeah, and his family and he put his family in there and saying, I'm sorry. Mm. And I want to focus on this ministry that I have with my church and with my family. And, um, not in that order though. Yeah. Right. And even, he, I mean, he mentioned the conversations with his wife leading up to posting the letter and how mm-hmm. influential her voice was, which I think is a very necessary thing. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they have, what, five kids together, something I think? Like yeah, so mm-hmm. I think that's something that he's, I think he mentioned in the article, three of them are teenagers. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a very important and busy stage mm-hmm. of life. And so I think even when he talked about pulling back on speaking engagements and, mm-hmm you know, even lessening his responsibilities when it comes to writing, which I know is all things that he wants to do, but I think he's just really been challenged by the Lord to refocus. And I think that was yeah. evident and, and encouraging, you know, to see in the, in the apology. Yeah. And going, going to that reference that you made, um, that he made in, in his letter, he said this year, we, uh, we will have three of our five kids as teenagers and our oldest will be a senior preparing for college. I don't want to miss this season as these years I can never get back. If I'm going to air, I want to, I want it to be on the side of guarding too much time and energy mm-hmm. for family and church family rather than not enough. And I'm, right. I think that's something that I really, really admire. Even as, even as I, you know, just kind of think about, you know, the future with the family and things like that. And, you know, as I, as I really struggle with guarding my time and, um, you know, guarding time with, with, you know, my fiance and with friends and, you know, just really balancing, um, you know, how to guard time and things like that, you know? And so I really admire him putting his family and, um, putting his family first and church family as well. And even getting back to the calling of, um, like you were saying before, just, just, you know, discipling and helping, you know, members of his church to grow, right. yeah. you know, just focusing on a local body that God has given them and training young leaders. He mentioned that, right, mm-hmm. right, right. And he, you know, he, he went back to, okay, these are the four things that, you know, I felt like the Lord was calling me to do, right. you know, back when I set out and, and, and just kind of started all of this, um, you know, and I want to get back to these four things. And I, I think that was an, an amazing thing that most people, um, would really struggle to do. Yeah. I guess we're giving up that, you know, being in the forefront, being in the limelight and being, you know, even being typecast as, okay, this is who I am in the sense of the, you know, the angry prophet or the, you know, I'm the, the cool, hip, young, harsh pastor, you know, but then just kind of transitioning into, okay, it's, you know, it's time to, you know, to admit where I was wrong in this and then, you know, move on to, you know, where the Lord wants to take me, you know, just as I, as I follow his direction and everything. And so, um, you know, I just thought that was really, really cool. I really admire him for that. Yeah, it was courageous. Um, and so, 
you know, I think that's something that you don't see very often. Yeah, I think that what what you're saying, what you said, Kenny, is just is spot on, especially for Driscoll and uh, where he is in his life, and also just his willingness to come out and say, "I'm sorry, I messed up. Um, I want to change this." Uh, for any of those occasions that I've messed up, and I've, I've really shown this sinful side, I want to repent of those things. And he I mean, he said, "I'm frustrated with, at my shortcomings. Mm-hmm. I need help from people who are more experienced and more mature." In my worst moments, I was angry in a sinful way, and I'm sorry. And I think you just leave it at that. Here's a, here's a, a follower of Christ that's coming and saying, I need forgiveness, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry for what I've done. And our response is the same as Christ. We forgive you. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. Also, um, in other news, uh, the Huffington Post uh, wrote an article about our, our man Lecrae. Um, the article was titled, This is What Happens When Hip Hop Lets the Saints In. Uh, which Lecrae famously uttered on the BET Cypher that he was on back in 2011. Um, so I want to get your guys' thoughts on, obviously, the biggest name ever in the Christian hip-hop subgenre, or hip-hop by artists that are Christians, excuse me. Um, <laughs> but just just your thoughts on some of the article, and then obviously, you know, Lecrae's involvement in that in that culture as a whole. I think, I think um, like, one of the interesting things that, that I saw Lecrae say, um, he said, Christians have no idea how to deal with art. You know, and honestly, you know, just just like you were saying before, uh, oftentimes Christians um, direct their their art towards other Christians, Mm -hmm. you know. And when it comes to to non-Christians, you know, they're they're totally okay with making their worldview known. Mm -hmm. You know, they're totally okay with talking about, uh, you know, their their political stances or they're they're perfectly okay. Uh, with talking about how they feel about different issues or how they feel about life or how life started or whatever, you know, but when it comes to to Christians, you know, talking about and discussing their worldview, you know, not only do do we shrink back, um, you know, but, you know, the world doesn't have much, much tolerance for it Mm -hmm. um, as well. And so, you know, I think for a Christian to take their art and then direct it towards, you know, non-Christians, I think that's, I think that's absolutely amazing. Whether it's a movie, whether it's music, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, paintings and sculpture, you know, when people are doing art and they, you know, they're, they're painting or they're, um, you know, sketching or whatever, you know, or, or sculpting or, you know, they don't, they don't solely, you know, look to sell it to, uh, you know, to, to other Christians, right. you know, art is art, Yeah. you know? And so, you know, taking hip hop, you know, sticking a, a Christian worldview into it, you know, and saying this, this is hip hop, but this is what I believe. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's something that, you know, that should be, you know, emulated amongst, you know, other Christians. And, and I, I think that, you know, there are things that have their place. Um, you know, I think, you know, there there is Christian music that, that is, you know, and should be directed towards Christians because it's encouraging, it builds sure. up. Yeah, I course. remember Christian hip-hop back in the day. I went back and I was listening to some old fanatics, listening to some old cross movement, <laughs> and I was just getting the just the gospel, you know, and I'm getting encouraged by that, you know, and honestly, I'm like, yo, you know, some of my, you know, my friends that are non-believers, they wouldn't really have much earplay towards this, right. you know, but, you know, you turn on some Lecrae now or even, you know, some Andy Minio or, you mm. know, or, you know, some other artists um you know who are very intentional about you know making it so that it it sounds like hip-hop yeah you know it doesn't sound like okay this is christian hip-hop except for when you listen to the lyrics you hear the gospel and you hear it clearly Mm -hmm. you know and so you know i i think that you know to 
to have it there at a place to where, you know, it's highly accessible to non-Christians, but they're getting your worldview, you know, they're getting a biblical worldview. Right. I think I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think that should be emulated. Yeah, and I even think the, you know, you look back a few years ago, before church closed, before, you know, when Lecrae was still, you know, in the rebel days, still widely accepted, obviously, in, in the Christian hip-hop. I remember in interviews, he was telling people he wants to be authentically Christian and authentically hip hop. And I think he's evolving into that now. I think not that he wasn't authentically hip hop then. I think he was, Mm -hmm. but that's always been his goal. It it has never been to quote Shailen about lyrical theology. That wasn't what the reach camp was back then. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. it's not that they're going to shy away from theology because theology plays into practical life living. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I think even then his desire was to impact the hip hop culture in a larger capacity than just the the Christian subgenre. The other thing I think is really frustrating is that the mainstream or whatever you want to call them secular hip hop camps are not the ones that are mad at Lecrae. He's on BET, he's on 106 <laughs> and Park, I mean which is on BET, but he is on, you know, on the map of mainstream hip hop mm-hmm. and those who are not even believers are accepting because it's good art and it's positivity. Vibe posted an article and, and the title of it was something like, you know, can monogamy, faithfulness and God find its place in mainstream hip hop? And it was a picture of Lecrae, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think what are we doing as believers who would, are supposed to be calling this man a brother to say, oh, we're pushing him out. And those who aren't even a part of the family are accepting and mm-hmm. and being generous and being mm-hmm. willing to lend an ear and we're saying oh he's not doing it exactly the way we think we do it so we're shoving him out i just think that's frustrating as the church i don't think that's a great example that mm-hmm. this one guy gets a pedestal that no other christian hip-hopper has had before mm-hmm. to make an impact and to spread a biblical worldview and the christians are the ones that are shoving him out i just think that's tragic yeah. i think yeah. back you know 15 20 years ago in the christian rock world there were bands that wanted to cross over like creed or collective soul, fuel, you know, some of these like mid nineties <laughs> horrible <laughs> Can you take <laughs> <Is that great? laughs> higher? Yeah, <laughs> but you look at that conversation fifteen years ago was this same nonsense. You mm-hmm. know, can can you be a believer and appear on MTV? You know, yeah. like just it was it seems like we're still arguing about this same stuff that we should have yeah. moved on from twenty years ago, which is yeah. frustrating. And yeah. It, I, and it's very narrow yes. for believers because they're like, you need to make art for us. <laughs> and I'm like, no, the creator of the universe, the most artistic being in all of creation, gave us this gift. It's a good gift. Come on. And we're supposed to use it and show it with excellence. And no matter no matter what we do, That's I think good, man. what I like in the article that Cray says is that to be a Christian and also be an architect or a pharmacist or a potter is supposed to mean that an individual performs those professions to the best of their ability and with passion and excellence. And I read that and I'm like, yeah, so, and I think that speaks to so many people on so many different levels, especially those who aren't in ministry, especially those who aren't pastors or teachers in the church, just the, the normal everyday nine to five kind of job. How can I do my job with excellence uh, to the best of the ability that God has created me that, so that he receives the glory and others come to know him? And e- even Propaganda, who's probably my favorite, favorite hip hop artist. I'm so excited about his new album coming out. Um, April 29th, Crimson Core. Crimson Core. I'm so excited. I already pre-ordered it. You guys, you guys <laughs> should see him right now. He's wearing a propaganda T-shirt. I am. And he got these. I made new, it myself. Yeah, he you made it himself, and it matches his his um, propaganda neck tattoo. So <laughs> he's hardcore. It's just propaganda's face right he's, on his neck. He's, he's hardcore. 
propaganda for propaganda. Oh, That's right. But he, he says in a relevant, relevant article that uh, he, he remembers this 19th century illustrator named Robert Henry, which I'm like, oh, this is cool. He's reading a 19th century illust- illustrator. Yeah. So Robert Henry said, and the quote goes, the presence of good art will unconsciously refine a community and poor art will do incalculable harm. It's the idea of what art does to the culture. And what propaganda says is when you apply this to the church, he says that the stakes are even higher. Wow. Especially as believers, the damage we've done to the body and the body's reputation for the rest of the world by making mediocre art has been incalculable. Hmm. I remember growing up, going to the Christian bookstore, and I mean, I used to be a huge Dave Matthews fan. I'm like, oh, I'm allowed to listen to this because he's not a Christian and I'm a pastor's kid. So maybe there are should... other reasons not to listen to Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. But I felt that kind of guilt um, from yeah. people that I grew up with in the church. And they had like, if you like Dave Matthews, then you will like Big Daddy Weave. Or I don't know if these are artists, but he started listing these different artists off. And I would go and listen to him. I'm like, no, it, not that they were terrible or bad or anything like that, but in comparison, the excellence of their performance over these Christian, you know, mm. Christian bands that did air quotes for yeah. it, mm-hmm. um, was just, it is paled it in comparison. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, wow, their understanding of, I think they take these gifts that God has blessed them with, even though they don't recognize God is blessing them with it and they just do it and they do it well. And I think Lecrae, he does it and he does it well. And he wants people to know that here's a God who gave me this gift to do this well. So I'm going to do it the best of my ability. Yeah. And uh, it just, it frustrates me to all get out just to, to think that uh, we can be mediocre in what we do yeah. in, in any work, any kind of thing where we are. And, um, you know, you know what, uh, you know what it reminds me of though. It reminds me of, of the Israelites and how, you know, when Jesus came on the scene, you know, their, their whole, you know, their whole thing was, okay, you know, we're we're okay with God sending a Messiah, but as long as he looks like wow. what we are intending for him to look mm, like. Yep. You know, and so now, you know, you know, Lecrae is, is taking the gospel out there, you know, and you know, just like you, you said with that vibe, what did, what did you say the, the title of the, or the heading of it? It was something along the lines of can, you know, monogamy, faithfulness, and the idea of a God have a place in mainstream hip-hop. Yeah, and it's like Christians are saying, okay, yeah, they can have a place in you know, but as long as it's communicated like this, right? As long as they're coming you know? to our churches, as long as they're right, going to creation, yeah. right, exactly, right. And I think I was reading another article about just art and culture, and he, the guy, the, the writer of the article was saying that we have abandoned our responsibility to to the arts. Mm-hmm. He says, my conviction is that one one of the various reasons Christians have an increasingly ineffective witness in the United States is because we have abdicated our responsibility to glorify God within the arts to the extent that we have involved ourselves in the arts. We have done so by creating much music labels and music production companies that produce art that is explicitly about religious character and often is preachy and not very compelling. In the most influential sectors of American society, Hollywood, New York, et cetera, we have fled the premise. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we don't in I mean, like I said, Ansel sent a really great article the other day and the guy's just going over the role of art is to tell stories. Mm -hmm. And so art does a fabulous job of what the Bible does. The Bible does a fabulous job of portraying stories. Storytelling, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And 
hip hop is I was thinking about hip hop is the perfect medium to do that. Mm. And I, I think a lot of times hip hop catches flack because I guess it's it's rocky start off. Mm. And so when it comes to Christians doing it, there was, a, there was a stint there where people were really like not were against it, even to the point of calling it demonic. And then we get this guy who is pretty much he's mainstream him yeah, i would totally. say lecrae is, is pretty much mainstream yeah. i would say andy is getting there mm-hmm. if not already there mm-hmm. uh andy Minio is pretty much mainstream as well mm-hmm. and so these guys are talented these guys uh have influence and people listen to them and they respect them amongst the, the amongst the secular artists and yeah. that i think that i think that that's where the respect matters if you're it's sad to say that your brothers may not respect you mm-hmm. but at the end of the day long as if they respect you and hear your message, I think that that'll make the difference. Yeah. I mean, and I think one of the things that I find frustrating is like looking back to my high school days, the only, you know, Christian hip hop guys I had heard of, and I don't want to say any names, but I thought they were whack, you know? So in high school, I listened to T.I. and Young Jeezy because I, I thought at the time I really appreciated that art. You know what I mean? Like I really liked hip hop and that art was what, what, what drew me to that. And so now you have someone you know, like Lecrae who gets a platform and you can, you know, let a high school kid like, you know, hear positive hip hop mm-hmm. with a great message and, and that is actually great art. You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, looking back, I didn't have to be sucked into that, you know, the terrible messages that were being communicated, you know, uh, on those albums if I had known about what was coming out in 03, 04, 05. You know what I mean? Because there was good hip hop back then with a with a biblical worldview or a positive message, however you want to phrase it. And so I think now we should celebrate the idea that there is a guy celebrating the things we celebrate Applause. of the Lord of the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and really give, you know, credit to that and say now even at a younger age, kids who appreciate great hip hop can hear it from a from a great artist mm-hmm. with a with a positive message. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, absolutely. Um I mean I think the the thing that resonated with me the most was um was really that, you know, Lecrae is just, he just wants to be out there just doing his thing and doing it well. Yeah. And and uh, it's a really good quote from Saint Francis of Assisi is wherever you go, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Mm. And you're just like Saint Francis, better go ahead. Uh, exactly. I mean, it's what it's people a thing don't know of, is that Saint Francis of Assisi was actually a rapper. So Whoa. that that yeah. is a rapper name. <laughs> um, but I mean, for me, it was just. Um, it's just like, yeah, we need to be going out there and consistently uh, preaching the gospel and living that out. But we don't always have to use words. We don't always have to be, uh, you know, looking for Bible verses to throw at people or tell them that they need to be doing this because the Bible says so. But if you are living a, a life that that reflects Christ, then right. you are, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, and, and so then I, I really did not like Lecrae or a lot of these other Christian artists because I thought, that I understood, I thought they were just all the all they're gonna do is talk about the Bible nonstop, and I'm like, I want to hear good music, right. I want to hear good stuff, and then I've I've you know really started to listen and try and find this good stuff that is worth listening to and <laughs> and is rad though at the same time, and so you know looking at church clothes too and stuff like that, you're like, this is this mm-hmm. is what it's about, this yeah. is worth it. So, and I think too with the like trying to love people well in that environment, that's what Lecrae's doing with a lot of the mm-hmm. collaborations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Big Crit is from Houston and that's where I think Lecrae lives now. Well, he, um, lives in, he, lives he, he lives in Atlanta, but he's from Houston. Right. Yeah, okay. His, his but verse then, gave me chills. I, oh, just I know, wanna, dude, it's convicting. But then B.O.B., <laughs> he lives in Atlanta. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's very intentional 
You know what I mean? Because we had joked in the past about Lil Wayne teaming up with, uh, or yeah, Lecrae teaming up with Lil Wayne. <laughs> kind of hope that doesn't happen anytime I, I, soon. Um, unless <laughs> there's a relationship. <laughs> but it's just cool that it seems to be very intentional, even in the collaborations, not just saying whose name's going to get me radio play, mm-hmm. but rather who am I going to have relationships with. And another cool thing, even in this digital age where so much can be done over computers and over email and stuff, mm-hmm. Lecrae's getting in the studio with these guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not just like, let me send them an email. He's sitting down with them and they're right and stuff together and I just think it's I just think it's mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. and he, he says in an article that him moving to Atlanta is, is intentional yeah he says that's where B.O.B. lives that's where these these artists live these are artists frequently like he said Little Wayne frequents Atlanta mm. so I so want to be coming. somewhere where I can I guess <laughs> I want to be somewhere where I can interact with them he, he's about building a relationship with these guys yeah. for mm-hmm. the sake of the gospel right. he's not looking to, to, to get them on his album. Not, he's not looking to, he's looking to build relationships because he cares for their souls. He cares. Sure. He loves them enough to, to do what's necessary, even at his, I guess, even at his own risk in some ways of, I guess, being sucked in. Yeah. And loving and reaching these guys out and building relationships for the sake of the gospel. And even on the authentically hip hop side, cosigns are, uh, that's a big deal. It you know what I mean? Real. Like, at the, at the beginning of the of the, uh, the first the the song church clothes on off the first church clothes mm-hmm. mixtape, you know K Dot was at the beginning of the mm-hmm. of the video like shouting out Lecrae. Mm-hmm. And I was like that is awesome. That's a oh, big yeah. deal. You know. So even on the hip hop side, even on the just music side, like that's just cool stuff to <laughs> yeah. to do. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's part of his part of his mission to be authentically hip hop. Yeah. yeah, I got I got some some shout outs on my mixtape. So cool. You know, when, when can we expect that? Some drops. Um, I think the the summer of two thousand never is gonna be. Just an awesome year for uh, my March October forty seventh. Yeah, it's gonna it's dropping yeah. and it's gonna be hot. Yeah. Like coals <laughs> from It'll a be so grill. hard to find, no one will find it, I think was I, what the press release said. Like a gas I'm grill. I'm saying uh, no, not a gas grill, a charcoal grill. Uh-huh. Like it's I, gonna be Kingston hot. <laughs> I, I had this King's thought the other day and I'm just curious do you guys and this is a side aside but do you think your knowledge of mainstream hip-hop or the subculture Christian hip-hop which do you think your knowledge is is more in why, did, why didn't you look at me when you said that I was kind of looking your way because he's he's white I would say the mic I would I would say that my my knowledge is, I guess if I have a major in Christian hip hop, yeah. But my uh, my knowledge over the years has grown over uh, of mainstream hip hop. It was a couple. Was it was it two years ago? It was two years ago. Like my favorite album, which I won't name, mm-hmm. was actually a a, a secular album. <clears throat> And what I think it, it was Doug's too. Start with? I'm very curious. It starts actually. with Good Kid, Mad City. <laughs> <laughs> What's the ending? Uh, I can't remember. I was seeing, how, my mind. I was seeing how, how silent it can get after that right. comment. <laughs> I'm sure we're, we just lost like five listeners because we just said that a second oh, album was uh, a favorite album. Uh, uh, that's funny. Okay. That's everyone. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up. Thanks, guys. Uh, stay tuned with us. We're going to come back and play you an interview with Dr. Eric Mason. Figured out by now My fair lady's in the dungeon Yeah My lovely London bridge is falling down Watching from the distance 
Wish I could make a difference But I just make it difficult So I'm grabbing my binoculars Cause I don't wanna get close I've done enough damage for the both of us Thinking I should hit the road Get invisible, vanish But if I wait too long You just made You are listening to Vanish by Kristen Gray featuring Swoop. Vanish was the uh, lead single from Chris's recent album entitled School of Roses, so be sure to go pick up that album. Dr. Eric Mason is an author and pastor based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. E. Mace, uh, as he is affectionately known, uh, is the founder and lead pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. He released a book in 2013 called Manhood Restored. He serves on the executive board of the Acts 29 Church Planning Network, and he also serves on the board of Reach Life Ministries. Recently, we, t- we talked to him about faith, hip-hop, and unity amongst believers. Here is Dr. Eric Mason. Well, what are some things that the church can do to meet needs inside the urban community? I think one of the, you know, I mean, there, there, I mean, there are four things that we as a church focus in on uh, we, uh, in relation to the gospel, shaping and okay. developing, ministering, that whole nine. The whole nine, um, family development, economic development, uh, education, and I forgot the fourth one. That's bad, but um, but 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 those are the areas, and we try to permeate the gospel through those. Okay. But mainly, but mainly, this goes under the umbrella of what I call incarnational mission. You know, the the Bible talks about you know the the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's connected among us. He dwelt among us. And I think that the church, in the urban context, has to have more ground floor. Um, connectional relationships based on Colossians 4, mm-hmm. 2 through 6, where it talks about acting with wisdom towards outsiders, knowing how to respond to each person, making the most of the opportunity. That text kind of reflects the incarnation to actually being connected to real people in the context yeah. on a day-to-day basis versus it just being an event-based missiology. Right. And so, and so I think that's the main piece in which they have, and then out of that you learn what the needs are, but it doesn't come from a Messiah complex or a paternalistic philosophy of ministry, but it comes from knowing people, actually loving real people, and you begin to shape a ministry that comes from the scriptures, but be able to shape it to engage and develop common ground and transform the needs of people. I think that's a that's a huge, huge, huge unique because I think the church historically has been good at events. We've been bad at incarnation. How important do you think it is for the church? You talked about local and regional, but how important do you think it is for the church to have a pulse on uh, neighborhoods like yours or, or urban urban context? Yeah, I think you do have to have an important a pulse on it. I just take the Act One Eight model okay. where we talk about local, national, international. If we can use it that way, right? Um, I, I, you know, one of the things that I mean, we're in the city church, but one of the things that I've been Convicted about is not just being a neighborhood church because too many times inner city churches only focus on them being a mission. Okay. And so, and so because of that, I wanted us to minister to our neighborhood as a missionary effort, yet we wanted to have global impact in the sense of church planting, sending missionaries, supporting missionaries, yeah. supporting indigenous leaders in other countries, and planting churches in the United States. Yeah. 
And so I think that that it is very important that that we that there's a focus on that, but I think an over focus on that can make us have an elitist philosophy of our locale and not look at the world. That was Eric Mason. Check out the full interview on movementmedia.org and follow Dr. Mason on Twitter at Pastor E. Mason. Now to see this planet so deep, turn the lights off Mouth sitting wide open, but I can't talk Did the girl just really take the clothes off? Can't look away It's about to go down, how I made day Real talk, I thought this was a game I left that room with chains Never looked at girls the same Cause I know, being 30 years old and a virgin Don't mean you outgrow them urges Never should have pulled back that curtain Thank God for the blood he purchased me Still the images in my sleep Never thought I'd be this deep when a girl walk past, I'm weak. Why not? That's what I'm thinking. I'm a pig in the morning, like bacon. Clothes on in my mind, you naked. My virtue, I'm forsaking my law. I'm probably gonna need your grace. Don't forget my face. You are listening to 30 by Sean C. Johnson. So today we're going to debut a brand new segment for you guys that we are very excited about. Um, we know that in these troubling times, it can be hard to decipher. Uh, what the right decision is at different stages of our lives. So we want to introduce to you a segment called Words of Something with Kenny Roberts. Um, and AJ has our first listener question. So AJ, take it away. All right, our first question comes, I mean, well, the first question we have, I'm a 13-year-old girl whose life is crumbling before me. Nobody w- wants to be friends at school because they say I'm ugly. How do I make friends? This is from a random 13-year-old girl. Okay, if you're if you're 13 years old um, right now, that would mean that you were born in, in 2001, which means that you were too young to remember um, classic movies like She's All That or or even um, you know I I don't know off the top of my head, but this is what you need to do. You need to um, just make yourself look as hopeless as possible and, and just pray that a really popular jock will make a bet, um, (laughs) to to turn you into a beauty queen, you know, and then, you know, just, just really hope that, that that'll happen and then just ride the whole thing out and then expose him for the jerk that he is, but keep the clothes that he buys you for prom. This is essentially the, 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 the premise of. She's all that. She's all that. I'm and, just saying it worked. Love the cost. If it worked in the movie, it worked in the movie. I'm. That's all I'm saying. It worked in the movie. Okay. Movies imitate life. Art imitates life. Mm. Make it. Make it imitate Call back. life. How much clothes are you buying someone for prom? I mean, I'm saying like, like these guys hook these girls up. They, you know, they took them and you know they got with the popular girls and they took them on shopping trips. Who mm. paid for it? Who knows? You know, doesn't matter. But, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. a movie. They're yeah. Right. Right. You okay. Know what I'm right. So, That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I believe we have a, another listener question. Uh, Ansel's going to bring for us. Yes. This listener asked, dear Gerald Roberts, they know your first name. I want to know how this listener find out my, my government name. <laughs> 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 they ask, can you please explain explain to me what are bars? I think okay. Um, without getting into the ethnic background of said um, said listener, um, bars um, has actually a, a few definitions. 
Um, if you are talking about prison time, they're the things that contain the prisoners. Prison time. That's what they prison call time. it. Prison time. Prison, that was prison past, time. Yeah. Prison you know, time is past. Though. Right. You know, if times. we're if we're talking about um, cleanliness, bars could be soap. Mm. Wow. Dove. You know, you know, it, hashtag, it could hashtag be, Dove. It could be soap. Nobody uses bars of soap anymore, and I laugh at people who do. Body washes where it's at. Um, but you know. I, if more. they're referring to what I think they are referring to, I think it, it refers to the hot fire that is spit by such um, artists who um, display their art by rhyming words together um, in a methodical fashion. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, for instance, um, this ain't no game. I ain't no lame. I spit these rhymes to bring you shame. Bars. Those Ooh. are bars. Bars and for like, days. Everyone literally just fell bars. on the floor right now. So bars. that's an example of bars to um, <laughs> our our listener who we will not share their ethnic background. All right. We, we just had one last surprise question that came in on our totally non-live podcast. Okay. The listener asked, who hasn't listened to the podcast yet? Right. You were talking about body wash. Do you use a washcloth or a loofah? Oh, mm, do I use a washcloth or a loofah? Okay, well, let me let me first start by saying that um, using either one does not define your manhood, mm. and so that's you know that's that's all I got to say. Kind of depends that. on your answer, doesn't it? Oh, uh, it it really does it, and so <laughs> <laughs> I think I think using either one is is totally fine. I think loofahs make my arms my armpits break out. And so I actually went back to to washcloths because I feel like, you know, you get a better scrub uh, with the, the washcloth, you know. Huh. And so, um, you know, I, I use a washcloth, but I don't judge any man who used loofahs. I went through a period of my life where I was using a loofah and that is how I found out that they make me break out. What color was your loofah? Arm. It was pink. <laughs> Um, don't judge me. Those are the best ones. I am not the color of my loofah. That is the name of my album that will be debuting. So <laughs> <laughs> you have a mixtape and an album coming out? It is. It is. The, the mixtape is to build up um, hype about my, my album. So oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not the color of my loofah. Um, dropping the uh, winner of um, 2015. So look out for that. Okay. Well, that was Words of Something with Kenny Roberts, as well as a brief history of Kenny's shower life. <laughs> Highly educational. Very moving. Uh, we'll be right back to wrap things up. And you know, sometimes I just be wondering, like, man, I hope the people really feel this. Man, I hope the people really feel this. Man, I hope the people really feel this. All right, well, that will do it for us. Thanks to Dr. Mason for talking to us. Check out his church online at epiphanyfellowship.org or download his sermons through the podcast section of iTunes. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at movement underscore media and visit our website, movementmedia.org. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Doug Ogden. I'm AJ Wilson. I'm Ansel Talbert. I'm Kenny Roberts, Pink Lucas, Don't Judge Me. And I'm Brandon Johnson. We'll see you guys next time. Hey dog, I'm smiling for a reason. Know this cheese ain't fake. That's a double entendre. Look at my teeth, look at my pockets. This smile ain't counterfeit, nor is the profit in my wallet. Man, I'm hot as ultraviolet. I'm flying no autopilot. These haters give me energy, nutrition, carbohydrates. I just had a conversation with the man. Of